Well, I titled this morning's message, What Are You Looking At? And uh, the reason I entitled it is because I've been reading a book by a gentleman named Matt Pappas. He's a musician and a worship leader. And the name of the book is Look and Live. So years ago, I was reading a story, and uh, uh, this guy was in prison, and uh, um, he says, uh, he's walking down the hallway, and uh, he, uh, the guy looks at him, and he looks at the other guy, and the other guy looks at him and says, what are you looking at, bum? <laughs> so he tells him, you, bum. And uh, naturally, a fight ensued. <laughs> so... <laughs> What are you looking at? There's ways, different ways, you know, the inflection of your voice could be one way or other. You could say, what are you looking at? Or concentrate, what are you looking at? Well, what are you looking at? You could say it in a mean way. You could say it in a good way. So this morning we want to say, what are we looking at? So the first scripture we want to go through is, uh, and this is... Um, um, kind of the, like the premise of the book. The Israelites have come out of Egypt, out of slavery. They've been there 400 years, and they're on their journey to the promised land, and they can't go through the land of Edom. So they're going around a long way. And uh, here they are. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Anybody ever get discouraged? Another word for discouraged here is they became impatient. So anybody ever get impatient? God, what are you waiting for? Why, God, have you not done what I asked? <laughs> That's not, <laughs> not a good attitude to have. Can you say amen? But sometimes we get impatient, and it, sometimes, and it leads to discouragement sometimes. Anybody have any problems? <laughs> Life is a problem. As surely the proverb of Solomon says, as surely as sparks fly upward from a fire, man is born for adversity. If you're alive, you will have problems in your life. Amen? Praise God. But thank God that we do have a help and the God that loves us. And so the discouraged and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no food and no water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. Everybody remember Keith Green? And he, he had several uh, amusing names for uh, this loathsome bread. This worthless bread was manna. This was the food that angels eat. And every day, every morning, there it is on the ground, just for you. Free. And they're looking at it, oh man, we are tired of this manna. Manna bread. Manna cakes. Manna, banana bread. Oh. And they're just, pfft. how can, can you imagine? They're complaining that God has given them something for free. People sometimes just wonder about people, amen? And they're complaining, this worthless bread. They're impatient. So, so, <laughs> the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Guess what? They're out in the desert. 
The serpents were already there all the time, but now God hears what they're saying and says, okay, you're going to, here, that's what you want to complain about? How about this? And serpents come in and bite some of the people, and they're obviously poisonous snakes, so some of the people die. So therefore the people come to Moses and said, we have sinned. That's a good place to be, amen, to know that I have offended God. We ha I have sinned. That's a good place to be because that gives you room to say, God, forgive me. Amen? Praise God. In Isaiah chapter 64, towards the end of the book, the book of Isaiah is almost all done. And in chapter 64, verse 5, it says, we need to be saved. <laughs> God is telling the people, you know, you guys... Something's not right here. And the people come to the conclusion, we need to be saved. That's a good place to be. God, I need to be saved. Sometimes we need to be saved every day, amen? <laughs> Praise God. If you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> Praise God. So, so we have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Moses is the leader. So they asked Moses, pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And guess what? The snakes, it doesn't say the snakes disappeared. They're still there. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent. This was a, a bronze snake, a figure of a snake in bronze. And... Uh, Think about this. It wasn't instantaneous. Oh, we got some bronze. Let's make a snake real quick. It takes a while to melt the bronze and to make the snake. So how many more people died? Set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who's bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. What a miracle of God. All you got to do is look at the snake. And you, if you got bit and, and you're dying... Whoa, hey, there's a snake over there on a pole. Look at that, and you'll be healed. That's a miracle. That just, that's just amazing. Say, that's a great idea. Look and live. And that's going to be all through my sermon this morning. Look and live. Amen? Good idea. Great idea. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to what Philippians, uh, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. First of all, in verse 12, uh, Paul writes and he says, You know, Jesus has laid hold of me. He caught me. And I want to lay hold of what he caught me for. And he, and he expresses a little bit of impatience. And he says, Brethren, every, you guys, you fellow believers, I do not count myself to have apprehended what Jesus apprehended me for. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Ultimately, our upward call, our goal, our prize is the resurrection from the dead. Our ultimate goal is to be with Jesus forever. Amen? Family Life Radio has this uh, saying on it, uh, we're one day closer to being with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. That's good news. I press toward the goal. Uh, 
<laughs> one of the uh, commentators says, what Paul literally means is, I'm running for my life. <laughs> he's in a race, and he's running because his past is trying to catch up with him. I don't know about you, but there's lots of things in my past that I don't want to keep with me. Amen? Praise God. I want them to be gone. I want to be free from their influence. And I want to go on and live for God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look and live. The snakes didn't disappear. They were still there, still biting people. But anyone, and so it was. I like that. So it was. It's going to really happen. We're really going to get to see Jesus someday. So it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, when that person looked at the bronze serpent, he lived, got cured, got healed. Amen. Went on to live. And this is a correlation or a, a foreshadowing, so to speak, of Jesus lifted up on a pole. Listen to what Jesus, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And notice this is John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And everyone knows verse 16. But in 14 and 15, Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, story we just read in Numbers, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's imperative. It's absolutely necessary that the Son of Man be lifted up. And this is talking about uh, being lifted up on a pole. If you um, are a student of the Bible, you know that, I believe it's in Leviticus, it says, cursed is anyone who's hanged on a tree. And this is, uh, the tree is uh, any pole of any sort that the Romans come up with crucifixion if lifted up on the pole, that whoever believes in him or looks to Jesus should not perish, but have eternal life. Remember, when the Israelites looked at the snake, they were instantly healed. And when you and I look to Jesus for salvation, we are instantly saved. At the moment you put your trust in Jesus, you're saved. Hallelujah. What a good God we serve. Hallelujah. Look and live. Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22 says, and, and if you read Isaiah, there's a bunch of times where, where God repeats over and over again, I am God and there is no other. And in verse 22 it says of chapter 45, Look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. <clears throat> Praise God. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, talks about, says that the heart, a human heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked or incurably sick. And then in verse 14, the prophet says, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. When we receive Jesus, we get a new heart. Amen? Hallelujah. New affections. Hallelujah. Praise God. There it is again, Isaiah 64, 5. We need to be saved. Tim Keller, uh, now paraphrase what he said in the, in the book, Look and Live. Real repentance is not thinking about how stupid we are. Oh, man, I messed up. I'm so stupid. That's not repentance. That's self-pity. But, Real repentance is this, how good and how kind, 
God is, that He's willing to be patient with us, and that He wants to be our best friend, and that His hands are stretched out towards us all the day long, <clears throat> and that if every we will return to Him. If we fall away and return to Him, He will gladly receive us. That's repentance. Not how stupid we are, but how good God is. Amen? That's good news. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> Glory to God. Let's go to the next verse here. And that's... Hebrews chapter 12, right after verse chapter 11, the, the heroes of faith. You and I, amen, you and I are heroes of faith, amen. Look, I told uh, George's grandson, when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning, say, you know what, you're a mighty man of God. Well, now I want to tell you this morning, when you look at yourself in the mirror, you look at yourself and you say, I am a hero of faith. Amen? Amen. You're a hero of faith. If you put your trust in Jesus, you're a hero of faith. And as a result, Therefore, because we're heroes of faith, we also, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run for our lives with endurance the race that is set before us. And then the key verse, looking unto Jesus. Now I have a question for everybody. I don't know if anybody has ever thought of this before, but... How do you look at an invisible God? How do you look to Jesus? How do you look? How can you look at an invisible God? Amen? <laughs> what in the world? God, what do you mean look to Jesus? The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's so much in this verse here. Praise God. Look to Jesus. Hallelujah. How do you look to Jesus? Well, here's how. Consider him. Think about him. Consider him. Think about Jesus going to the cross. Here's what Jesus did. Got betrayed by one of his friends, went to a mock trial, was abandoned by all of his friends, and then he was scourged and then mocked again, and then he was put on a cross and gave up his life. Consider this. Consider Jesus for the joy set before him. And then, can you imagine? Oh, great, I'm going to go get beat up and crucified. <laughs> that, that sounds like not my type of a nice afternoon. Amen? But think about him. Philippians chapter 4, it says in verse 8, to think on these things. In verse 4, it says rejoice. I say rejoice for again. Rejoice forevermore. Verse 5, let your gentleness or forbearance and graciousness be evident to everyone. Excuse me, verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And a result in verse 7 is that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Think. It comes from, there's a, the Greek word for think uh, in uh, the, where did I find that? Oh yeah, in Vine's Dictionary, it's logizomai. We get the word logic from the Greek, the think. Imitate and put into practice, Matthew Henry says, the things that Jesus did. He had patience, he's gracious, he forbears with us. Hallelujah. In other words, what's playing on the movie of your mind? The other night, I was laying in bed trying to fall asleep, and, and my mind kept going this way and that way, and, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to think about Jesus. And so as I laid there with my eyes closed in my mind, I pictured Jesus tied to the pillory, and uh, I pictured in my mind he took the stripes on his back. There's most likely two Roman soldiers, one on each side, taking turns whipping him. And as I thought about that, man, golly, that must have been awful. Then I thought about Jesus being nailed to the cross. So I was thinking. The next thing you know, I was asleep. Because I was thinking of Jesus. The movie of my mind was not right until I began to think. Picture in my mind, Jesus. You can use your imagination. A good author will use words so that when you're reading the story, you can visualize, wow. That's why I like the Gospel of John. Because yeah, I, when I read it, I can picture myself being there. Even the Gospel of Luke, the historical documents. Man, there's Jesus sitting there. And the Bible says that the power of God was present to heal them. And then the Bible says some guys went up on the roof of the place because they couldn't get in, and they tear the roof apart, and they let the guy down on a bed. And Jesus sees his, the friend's faith, and he says, you're healed, your sins are forgiven. And I can picture that in my mind. And then, of course, I'm thinking, those guys are going to have to fix the roof. <laughs> but praise God, the guy gets healed, gets up and walks home. And the religious people get all upset. Hey, hey. He forgave sins. And so Jesus tells him, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk and go home. And just to show you, Jesus says that the Son of Man has authority. Tells the guy, get up, walk, and go home. The guy does. The rest of the story, you know, <laughs> Jesus offends them so much that they get so angry at him. It's kind of like what's going on in Pakistan and other places around the world. People are so opposed to Jesus for some reason. I don't know why they're so angry. They'll murder people. They'll destroy their houses. They'll burn their, their places of worship. What has Jesus done to these people to cause them to get so angry? That just blows my mind. Hallelujah. They need to get saved. That's what the problem is. Consider him endured such hostility. At last you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted the bloodshed striving against sin. Most, most people in this country haven't ever done that, but there's other places around the world where they have done that. Praise God, but I tell you what, if you've read the books, 
Fox's Book of Martyrs, which used to be required reading in Church of England, <laughs> no matter what they do, the kingdom of heaven continues to advance. Amen? Praise God. Consider him. Think on these things by his stripes. What Jesus did for us, he shed his blood. Glory to God. What a good God we serve. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 11. He shall see the labor of his soul. Who will see the labor? And whose soul? This is God the Father. This is God the Son. And be satisfied. The wrath of God was satisfied on the cross. The wrath that you and I deserve was satisfied by Jesus. God Himself, this is just so amazing, God Himself came down to earth and became our propitiation, our covering became our sacrifice that we could never pay. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. And He paid it for us. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. Wrong button. By His knowledge or by knowing Him, my righteous servant shall justify many. And I've read and heard that this word justify literally means just if as if I did not ever sin. What a gracious God. Many. He shall bear their iniquities because no one could pay for their own sins. Amen? Jesus took our place and the wrath of God was poured out on Him. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let's go on. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. From the hills? No. This has always amused me for some reason. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? Is my help coming from the hills? No, the hills aren't moving at all. They're not going to do anything. They'll just stay there. They can hide people on the other side, but how, how can my help come from the hills? Are the hillbillies going to come down and help me or what? No, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Think about this. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, faith, and that Holy Spirit is equal with God the Father and equal with God the Son. And this God is the one that spoke the universe into existence. This is what's living in us. The power of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in us. Amen. That's amazing. The same Spirit that spoke the earth and the universe. Remember <laughs> before, uh, uh, what was it, Copernicus, I believe, or Galileo, said that the sun is the center of our solar system, not the earth. Before that, everybody thought the earth was the center of everything. Earth is just a tiny speck of dust out in the middle of nothing. And I was reading the other day, they estimate there's like 400 billion stars in our solar system, and there's 400 in our galaxy. Our, our solar system's in our, this little tiny spot out in the, the middle of our galaxy, or towards the edge of our galaxy. And then our galaxy is like one of 400 
billion or trillion other galaxies. Anybody ever see some of the photographs from the Hubble Space Telescope of deep space? And it's just filled with galaxies. And these galaxies are ginormous. <laughs> and we're, we're this tiny little speck of dust. And I think it's so amazing that on this tiny little speck of dust is human beings. Have you read the psalm where it says, What is man, O God, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, that you're concerned, or that you visit him, or you even look at him? <laughs> what an amazing... The God that created the expanse of the universe came to earth and became a human being like you and me so that he could experience... I mean... Praise God, so, so he could pay the price to redeem us and to buy us back. The whole universe is going to be redeemed. If you've read the Bible, you know there'll be a new heavens. The whole universe is going to be made new and a new earth. Glory to God. And that same spirit lives in you and I. Hallelujah. He made, that's where our help comes from. Think on these things. Think on these things. Look at me, or look at, no, look with me. <laughs> I hope you're paying attention. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4. Think about these things. Don't think about your bank account. Don't think about... Uh, all the things that the plans that you have and everything, think about these things. Whatever's true. Jesus said the truth will set you free. Whatever things are noble. You and I, because we're born again, we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. That qualifies you and I for nobility. We have no idea what that is here in this country because we elect our government officials and then they appoint people. But over in England and in some other countries and even in parts of Africa, they have kings and queens and nobility. And you have to, you know, there's certain protocol. You're not supposed to touch the king. You know, like when uh, Queen Elizabeth came to visit the United States, they ushered her over to some poor... Uh, African-American lady, and the lady was so happy, she, oh, Queenie, it's nice to see you, and she hugged the queen, and the queen's like, ah! <laughs> Even when President Biden went to visit the king of England just recently, he, he put his hand on the king's arm, and the king looks at it like, what are you doing? And then they start walking, you know, past the guards, and President Biden decides to stop and chat with one of the guards, and the king is like, uh, excuse me, I'm the king. He's just a servant. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the point is, you and I are now noble. Someone used to call me noble coble. <laughs> Praise God. We're, we're, we're nobility. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just. That's one of the bywords nowadays, social justice, you know. My opinion about social justice is, yes, there is a need for it, but the main problem is people being lazy and thinking they're entitled to everything. That's just my opinion. Hallelujah. Whatever things are pure, 
clean things that we should be thinking about. Whatever things are lovely, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, is the famous saying. But there are things that are lovely, like a sweet and gentle spirit. Amen? Whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue. I like testimonies about how God has touched people's lives. Praise God. I like to hear how God saved you. Amen. God saved me because I started reading the Word of God and found out I'm not saved. <laughs> I remember reading, excuse me, Galatians chapter 5, the works of the flesh. I said, what in the world? I'm doing almost all of these. I guess I'm not saved. Praise God. But it was the Word of God that began to touch my life and began to uh, draw me. And, and it was the Word of God and the Scriptures that showed me I needed to be saved. Praise God. So I gave my life to Jesus. I even had to get a dictionary and <laughs> look some words up. It's a good thing to look words up sometimes. Amen? Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Just as a side note, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Verse 20 says, The wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness because His invincible attributes are clearly seen. You don't have to be a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist to look at the earth and look at nature and figure out, you know what? This didn't come from nothing. There has to be a creator. Creation, what's the word? Uh, the, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Um, creation betrays the existence of a creator. And you can quote me on that. Creation betrays the existence of a creator. There's a uh, company here in Tucson that does air conditioning and, and, and solar installations and now they do roofs too, called Intelligent Design. Amen? This, I believe that, <laughs> that that's a description of God, the intelligent designer. So when you look at nature and you look at the universe and, and you think to yourself, man, what a designer. What an amazing thing this all is. This, <laughs> the uh, Osiris Rex capsule is bringing back some dust from uh, <clears throat> an asteroid and uh, bring, it again, bring it here to the U of A. And uh, I helped uh, remodel a laboratory not too long ago, and they brought in a, a brand new microscope that was made by the Hitachi company. And this brand new microscope, the first of its kind in the world, is going to be able to see to the atoms, the electrons and the neutrons. And so the, uh, the, the gentleman that's in charge of the project, he claims uh, that he's going to be able to disprove the existence of God, and he's going to be able to improve how the universe was created. But there was a starting point. And where did that, who or what made that starting point? It just didn't happen out of nothing. That's impossible. Be that as it may. Praise God. He made the heavens and the earth. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And the point of the book that I was reading, Look and Live, which I'm going to read again, because there's a lot in there, is that when you get a glimpse or you behold his glory, when you get a notion or an idea or an impression of the glory of God, and how awesome it is that the God who created the whole universe came to earth, that he's interested in you and I, and that the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on our heads. The number, the exact number. He knows the stars by name. The glory of God, the power, the majesty, the nobility of God, that this God who created everything lives in us, that his spirit has taken up residence in us. We, be we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you ever hear the argument that Jesus never claimed be God. That's a lie because if you read the Bible, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. And anybody who's a student of Scripture, even if you're not a student of Scripture, anybody who can do some research can look it up. In the Old Testament, the Son of Man is talking about God. And the Jewish people of Jesus' day knew exactly what Jesus was saying. I'm the Son of Man. The only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. That's how we know. Praise God. What are you looking at? What diverts your attention or what grabs your attention? What impresses you? What can, I mean, let's think about God for a minute. When we look, and what, anybody ever see Pranksters, they'll be standing around and looking up at the sky in a big crowd and just looking up. And next thing you know, everybody else will start looking up. What is he looking at? <laughs> What's impressing you? What causes you to say, wow? Because what causes you to say, wow, should cause other people to say, wow. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> Facebook is funny. If you like something, next thing you know, you got all these <laughs> there's old cars, there's old houses, and some of them, uh, a lot of them are dilapidated, the old houses, so I'll click sad. Next thing you know, there's a bunch more of them. <laughs> what grabs your attention? Praise God. But then there's other times when I'll be scrolling through Facebook, and there's a, man, look at that car. Wow. And I'll click wow. Next thing you know, there's a bunch more of them. What gets your attention? What makes you go, wow? What makes you say, look at that? Because what makes you do that will get other people to say, wow, look at that. Hallelujah. So the point of the book, Look and Live, is that when God impresses you with that, you get that wow reaction. That's worship. That's when you stand in awe of God and say, that's not incredible, because incredible means not believable. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's worshiping. Hallelujah. That's, what, that's why we worship together the, before the sermon, because we want to get that atmosphere where, wow, God, you're awesome. Hallelujah. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. 
verse 23, the next verse in Isaiah chapter 45 says, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. And then the major prophecy of the Old Testament reiterated in the New Testament. To me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath or confess to the glory of God that Jesus Christ is Lord. Isaiah chapter 6, the famous chapter, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the, ten- and the train of his garment filled the temple and the voice shook the temple and it says there was angels that flew around him and they had six wings. With two wings they covered their bodies. With two wings, I believe it says, they covered their eyes. And with two wings they flew. And all they do is fly around and say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of His glory. The evidence of God is uh, all over the earth. And every tongue. And then, of course, Isaiah, <laughs> he, gets, he gets it. God is holy, and he says, woe is me. I I need to be saved. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And God touches him, and one of the angels comes, takes a a coal off of the, the altar with tongs, and then takes it in his hand and touches his lips. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want a live coal touching my lips. That would hurt. But What happens is it makes him clean. Hallelujah. And then Isaiah gets the the impression. He hears God, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, me, me, send me, I'll go. Praise God. I'll tell people about you, God. I'll tell people my testimony, how I was a drunk and Jesus set me free. Praise God. The whole earth is full of his glory. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. Every tongue in the New Testament is paraphrased will confess to the glory, to the honor of God that Jesus is who he says he is. Amen. Praise God. Well, that's all I got for this morning. The main point, look and live. Consider Jesus. Look and live. That's the main point. Think about these things. How gracious God has been to us. How good God is. And how patient and gracious He is with us. So we should be with others. Amen.